you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth thanks for joining me i've got amazing questions and i hope you send some in so feel free to just pop them up right here um, you can send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. And let me launch in with what I've received this week. This week, I got some questions from Roger regarding window treatments. Window treatments are so daunting for most people. People call me in a panic. They have no idea what to do. Window treatments can be crazy expensive. Many people feel that they must get custom, and that's absolutely not the case. Roger, that is definitely not the case in your situation. You sent me lovely photos of a window that's no wider than 36 inches, and it's also no longer than 65 inches, which is perfect. That is within standard range. Anything over like 42, 48, you may have to think about something custom. Anything longer than 72, and you're definitely going to have to start thinking custom. Certainly those beautiful floor-to-ceiling windows that we're seeing in so many new construction homes and apartments are going to need a custom treatment. And if you rent, that's just exorbitantly expensive. I know it's one of the challenges of having an amazing view or those amazing windows is that you will have to tackle that treatment. And with floor-to-ceiling, it's not pretty, nor is it cheap. But Roger, you don't have to worry about any of that. You have a cut-and-dried case, and you ask me, how many curtain panels do I need? Here's what you do. You measure the width of your window. In your case, Roger, I'm going to eyeball it from your image, and I'm going to say it's 36 inches wide. Well, then you double it. So you need 72 inches of fabric but that is not actually a width that a panel comes in. A panel does not typically come in a width of 36. Generally, it's between 40 and 52 inches wide per panel. So just get two panels because certainly you could do more than double, but don't do less than double. In other words, don't do, you know, 18-inch panels on each side. That would just be 100% rather than 200%. And the problem with that is when you pull it, Certainly, it could cover that window, but it will be quite taut. There will be no undulation. There may even be gaps on the sides. So we want to avoid that. We want to have that beautiful undulation, that decadent 
extra fabric that will help conceal or close those gaps on the side that way light doesn't stream through. Double the width of the window is the amount of drapery you need. You also asked me how high you should hang the rod. Another easy one, Roger, you wanna hang it typically three to six inches above the window frame. So that topmost part of the molding, you'll measure three to six inches up, and that is where the rod will go in terms of height. I usually go between four and eight inches outside the window. The reason I do that is because you don't want the panel to conceal the window box. You don't want it to cut too much into your window so that you can't see that beautiful view or get that daylight when it's pushed to the side. So that is my tip for how far outside to hang it. Let's get to my next question, which has nothing to do with window treatments. My next question came from Jackie this week, and she wrote me, Betsy, I'm still trying to determine my 30% color for my apartment. I'm a big fan of cool colors. Any ideas? Thanks, Jackie. And the great thing that you did, Jackie, just like Roger, is you sent me some amazing pictures. So I could really dive in and see what you're working with. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with my theory of three colors, and it's not my personal theory, it is a widely used designer rule, that when you're pulling accent colors for tones to use throughout your space, you're going to stick to three colors. And those three colors are going to be used throughout the space, whether it's pillows, rugs, artwork, window treatments, whenever you're including something that's not a neutral, not a gray, brown, cream, or white, then you'll really pop it with one of these three colors. But using more than three colors, in other words, if you're a fan of red, green, blue, and you want to throw in yellow and purple, it can start to look frenetic. So people use three colors, they stick to those, but they use them in different doses so that it doesn't look like such a formula. So they use one color 60%, one color 30%, which is the color that Jackie is grappling with, and one color 10%. Now we've heard Jackie say, or write in this case, that she is a huge fan of cool colors. Well, me too. But I also think it's important when you're selecting your 60, 30, 10, your three choices, that you make sure to include either two warm and one cool or two cool and one warm. Now, warm colors are red, orange, yellow. Cool colors are green, blue, purple. And the reason you want to do this is because you don't want to create a theme room. You want a room that has some balance, a room that doesn't just feel super hot and warm with all these colors that are flaming and um, doesn't have any sort of tone that can cool it down. So I just think a mix is so important. For instance, in my office, I went really cool. Uh, I really thought that it was important to emphasize my branding, and my branding is exclusively cool. We've got the teal, we've got it ombreing down to a seafoam, and we've got hints of navy as well. So that's all cool, which can start to feel too pervasive. You can kind of get stuck in one emotion, one feeling. So I do like to include some of each. So clearly through your artwork, you're a big fan of teal, me too. So I would imagine, even though you didn't share that with us, that that is your 60%. The other colors that were quite prominent and consistent throughout your space were like a split pea green, which I think looks really fun with the teal. And then 
While I wouldn't normally consider this a color, I think I want to in your case. Gold. Because really, in all the images you sent, there weren't very many other warm colors that seemed congruous with most of the items in the space. And gold is so hot right now, it is so trendy right now, that we are able to find it in a lot of different things. It's no longer just a metal. We no longer find it in just things that are made of metal. Now we're finding gold on fabrics. We're finding gold splashed in a painting. We're finding gold in the embroidery of a drape. So gold is really a color element nowadays, whereas that wasn't always the case when people weren't using metallics in any other way besides metal finishes. So I think you should embrace this gold, especially because you have no other warm colors that I can see that would really work well. And so I think you should do your 60% teal. I think you should do your 30% either that split pea green or you could do it the gold. And then whatever color is left over, you would make the 10%. Gold as a 30% dose could be a lot. But I must say split pea green isn't my favorite, nor does it feel the freshest. So in your case, I probably would do the 60% teal, 30% gold, and 10% split pea. So I hope that helped. Let us know how it turns out. You've sent so many lovely before pictures. Now I want to see the after. So we are going to take a quick commercial break, and I can't wait to get back to a couple more questions. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. So let's get to my next question from Leslie. Leslie wrote me this week asking how to get rid of clutter. And I think I could be considered an expert considering I am a little bit of a clutter bug myself, Leslie. So I am a former hoarder. When I was young, I used to keep everything. I would go to garage sales. I would clear it out. I had a hard time parting with things. And then I moved to New York City. And when you move to New York City, there is no space. You have two extra pairs of socks, and you're a hoarder. There's no room for error. You have to be really strategic about what you have. And I moved here with three suitcases. So right then, it was like a wake-up call. Like cold water in the face, we are going to have to pare down. I left all those magnificent tchotchkes back home, and I started fresh. And I really haven't looked back since. 
while I am not able to implement Marie Kondo's um, formula, some of you may know Marie Kondo. She came out with this great decluttering campaign and amazing best-selling book. And she suggests that you tackle your entire space at once, that you take a critical look at absolutely everything in your space. And if you don't do it all at once, if you try to do it in drips and drabs, well, it totally defeats the purpose and why even try. While I kind of agree with her and her magical art of tidying up, I just don't think it's practical for most lifestyles. So instead, what I do is I walk around my house on a fairly regular basis, generally every Sunday, and I make sure that my kids are away and my husband is not looking, and I throw away things that don't spark joy. So that is the one element of Marie Kondo's philosophy that I could really latch on to. There are a lot of things that my kids get, interesting toys that they love for five minutes from a birthday party and never look at again, but they float around causing clutter. My kids are constantly picking them up and moving them so that they can play with the toys that they do like. And while they feel like they're playing with them because they're constantly moving them around, they're not actually sparking joy. They're not actually bringing them any pleasure. So they go in the garbage bag. And that's what I tend to do. I just did a massive overhaul of my drawers. And if I hadn't worn it last season, if it wasn't sparking joy, if it doesn't make me feel good about myself, adios. And, you know, I want to be buying a few new fresh pieces anyway, whether or not I loved everything in my drawer. So it's a great excuse to buy a few new pieces each season. And it's also a great way to reevaluate your connection to a lot of these pieces. So literally every Sunday, what sparks joy in me is going around the house and finding those little stragglers, those little things that are in our way, but not really in our lives. So Leslie, I think you should start there. And I'm so glad that you asked an interior designer about decluttering because it's so difficult to achieve an amazing look. Say you have the most expensive decor. Say you bought the most expensive sofas and furniture. It doesn't matter how great those furnishings are if your place is a hot mess. So starting with the decluttering, I think is crucial. And I think it's really great that you're looking at that because I must tell you, my home is pretty magazine ready on days when it's cute, but on days when it's cluttered, you would never imagine that a designer had been working her magic in that space. It makes all the difference to take that hour or two out on Sunday and just be really um, strict with what's going on in my home. So I hope that helped, Leslie. Thank you so much for decluttering. I think it's going to save your designer a lot of headaches. So my last question comes from Erin, and Erin wrote me this week, Betsy, where should I buy my sofa? Oh, Erin, what's your budget? If you have a low budget, I would suggest looking first at Macy's. They have a wide range of styles. They have really low price points, sometimes even lower than Ikea. Uh, I find that the quality also varies, so it's really important that you go sit on these items, jump on them, do whatever you need to do. I took my family and my husband took a nap on one of them. We played cards on a sofa. We really wanted to get the feel because what's comfortable for one person may not be comfortable for another. So you cannot rely on online reviews when selecting your sofa. 
Another place I love to look at sofas is room and board. Of course, there you want to have a little bit of a bigger budget, but I love their sleepers. I love their styles and they have a lot of really beautiful options. Um, finally, you may want to take a look at Crate and Barrel. It's a little bit more expensive room than room and board, but they have precisely the same manufacture and exactly the same upholstery finishes. So that way you're getting a lot of the same quality while diversifying looks if you didn't find a style you're hoping for at room and board. Guys, it has been great answering your questions today. Keep them coming. You can send them to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com or go on our Facebook page and leave them right there on our page. We love getting your questions. I love interacting with you. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.